Awesome. Praise the Lord for this word and that reminder of the wonderful cross. Amen? Amen. The cross is enough to save, to sustain, to change, to transform. And that's one of the things we're looking at here in this book today as we have been walking through this series which has been become one of my favorite series in the Bible. Um, through teaching through God's word over the past just about three years now, uh, this series has been life-changing for me. I hope it's been for you as well. Uh, as we've been looking at this series that we've titled, You Are Known. You Are Known. I think it's important for us in the body of Christ to remind ourselves over and over again that God is not a distant God. He's not a foreign God. He's not a, uh-oh, I hope one day something happens, God, but he is, he is right here, right now, and he knows who you are. He knows every hair on your head, he know, and even for the bald fam in the, in the room, he knows every hair on in your body, because um, maybe you'd be thinking, what about me? Hold up. You know, he knows, he knows your name, and he is in this room today, and that's one of the things that I've been blessed by as I look at the life of Jacob. Um, and as we've been studying this guy in the Bible named Jacob, he is all types of a mess. Um, he's a rascal. He is a deceiver. He is a trickster. Uh, by his own name, the name Jacob means heel grabber, one who deceives, one who tries to get ahead and pull others down. He had been doing that for the majority of his life. Uh, today, we're in our fifth installment of this series. And I hope that uh, you've been encouraged by it. If you need to get caught up, you can always go to walkchurch.com and catch up on the other four weeks. Uh, it has been an incredible journey. We've been reading a lot in the Bible today, uh, I mean up until this point, and we're going to go more deeper into his story today. And so I want to invite you to turn with me in this uh, amazing book called The Scriptures uh, to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. And we'll start out by looking at the beginning of this chapter, specifically in verses 3 through 8. Genesis chapter 32, verses 3 through 8. When you get there, say, I'm there. I'm there. That's what I was feeling. I'm there. If you're ready, say, ready. ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. Ready. Let's eat. Let's eat from God's word this morning. Uh, and Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the, the country of Edom. I want to just talk about that verse for a second because it creates a good setting and background for us to understand what's happening here in the story. So last week we left off with a bad episode of Sister Wives. Um, I don't know if you remember it, but if you need to revisit it, do what you got to do. I know that sounds kind of strange, but sometimes you read strange things in the Bible. And if you hang around with us, you'll see strange things probably here um, because we as people are jacked up, but praise God for our God, right? He's still here, right? Um, and we see this in Jacob's life. Uh, Jacob, uh, he, he, he goes on the run. He deceived his brother, Esau. He deceived his dad, Isaac. He listened to his mom's lies, and it all led to uh, uh, misery because he had to go on the run. So even though he deceived his dad for the blessing, he had to go run for his life because his brother Esau, who was supposed to be blessed, at least according to birthright, who he deceived for the blessing, Esau said, I'm a skilled hunter. When I see Jacob next time, I'm going to kill him. And so because Rebecca, the mom, got so scared for Jacob's life, she said, Jacob, you can go to my brother's house. He lives far away. His name's Laban. Just go hide out with him, and then one day your brother will forget, and maybe you can come back. 
Now this is 20 years later. Everybody say 20 years. That's a long time to be on the run, all right? To be hoping that one day my brother may forget about when I deceived him back in the day, right? So 20 years now, Jacob has been gone. While he's there hanging at Laban's house, he sees Rachel, who was described as having a beautiful form in her body. So whatever that means is what Rachel had, right? And then there was Leah, Rachel's older sister, who had low eyes. That's all we know about her. So uh, one, we could probably make the case was attractive. One was not so much. Laban deceived Jacob to marry them both, okay? So that's the context of the story. Um, because Jacob was so messed up and because Rachel and Leah were so crazy as well, they gave both of their maidservants to their husband and he slept with both of them. So now he has kids with all four ladies. Um, I can just imagine just a train wreck of a household. He still is thinking, man, I wish I could come home, but if my brother sees me, he'll kill me. And this is the place that Jacob's in. It's in this context that the Lord who knows him speaks to him and says to him, go back home. I'm calling you to leave Laban's house, take all of your possessions, all of your family, and go. Now, Jacob, still being Jacob, right, the heel grabber, the deceiver, he says, all right, here's what I'm going to do. Laban deceived me and maybe marry his older daughter, and so I'm going to get him back. And so what Jacob does is he tells Laban, he says, all right, check this out. Um, how about this? I, I'll work for you if you give me all of the animals in the yard that have spots or stripes on them. And Laban's thinking, hey, those are all the messed up ones anyway. You can take them, right? And so what Jacob does is he goes and dips his paintbrush in the white paint, right? And he goes over to all the healthy animals and he's like, spot, 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 you know? He goes, hey, Laban, right? These are the ones you put me over, those are mine. So Laban's now super hot, right? He's super upset, very angry. And Jacob's thinking he got over. And so now Jacob's like, all right, got all the healthy animals, I'm out. And here we are. You guys got, are you caught up? You ready? Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau because he's like, all right, I'm going back home. Just in case I run into Esau, it's 20 years later, he still might be upset. This is what I'm gonna do. The messengers, this is your instruction. You shall say to my Lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob. He doesn't say your brother Jacob. He says your servant Jacob. I've sojourned, in other words, I've camped out with Laban and stayed until now. Verse five, I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I have sent to tell you, my Lord, in order that I may find favor in your sight. In other words, I don't want no problems, bro. You can have all the, the animals, they might have pain on them, right? <laughs> They might, you know, you can have male servants, female servants. Jacob took all, everything that he had, and he said, I'm, I want everything to go before me, and, and, and I want these messengers. You got one message to Esau. I don't want any problems. I, I want favor. I want to make it right with you, brother. Um, I, I would encourage you to stick around to see how the story ends here, because it, it, it will have an ending at some point. Uh, but that's his intention there. As we continue reading, the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau, right? And here's what the text says. It says that, and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. I can imagine the servants were kind of like, we talked to Esau and there are 400 men with him. <laughs> 400 men with him. 
Right? And Jacob's like, what? He's like, yeah, Jacob's, Esau's coming to meet you, and he's got 400 big dudes with him, and you should probably be scared. And he was. Verse 7, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. So he divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to the camp and attacks it, then the camp that's left will escape. If I got to lose half, you know, it's just part of the game, right? Like if he's got 400 men, I don't got 400 men. Jacob's like, this is, this is a bad bet, which is the story of his life. Amen. Uh, one of my messages previously was deceivers never prosper. And, and we see this 20 years later, still true. And 2,000 plus years later, it's still true for us today. The Bible is living and active. This active book is teaching us something here today. And so this sets the stage of where Jacob's at in his life. Um, he's on the run from Laban. He's on the run from his brother. I think you can make the case he's on the run from God. And he's on the run. And, and here's where we pick it up. Genesis chapter 32. Let's jump ahead to verse 22. So the same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. You thought you had a tough journey to church this morning, right? Getting everybody in the car. He's like, man, all right, both wives, come on. Female servants, y'all come too. And get all the children. I can't even remember their names, but just bring them all. And that's, we're going to cross the ford of the Jabbawockees. I mean the Jabbok. Verse 23. And he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. Verse 24. Jacob was left alone. I'll tell you what. Sometimes when you just get by yourself, God can move. We see this right here. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Verse 25. That was an abrupt switch. Did you catch it? Like, whoa, where'd this guy come from? The wrestling match happening. When, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26, let's keep reading. The text says that then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. The very first time we see Israel mentioned in the Bible is right in this moment. For you have striven with God. Some of your translations say struggled with God. Some would say wrestled with God and with men and have prevailed. Verse 29, then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. Verse 30, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh, that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. If you got all that, say amen. Amen, amen the reading of his word. Uh, the title of my message this morning is Wrestling with Your Identity. Wrestling with your identity. One of the things that we've been talking about is that, that God doesn't bless who you pretend to be. He blesses who you really are. Right? That God's not looking for you to put on a mask when he didn't create you that way. That's the Greek word hypocrite. 
It really is. The word hypocrite. It's where we get our English word hypocrite. It's the word that you would use to give to somebody in a Broadway play because they were playing a character. And God's not interested in us playing a character. He's interested in us being who we are and being saved and set free by his son, Jesus. And so, I mean, I need that. That's my story. Um, and so I find Jacob here specifically wrestling with his identity. He's wrestling with the man and he's actually wrestling with the God man. I believe this is a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ that shows up in Genesis 29 and 32, right? How about Jesus being so dope? Like, like just Jesus just being so like, you know what? I'm about to just, Jacob a wrestling match right here. That's what we're reading right now. Jesus is like, I'm not waiting for this one. I'm about to go make this happen right now. Let's look at these verses together. Genesis chapter 32. We're just going to unpack these scriptures uh, one at a time, and I believe that God will teach us something from it. Verse 22, the same night he rose and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. I just decided to spend some time on these couple verses because I thought they were really interesting slash hilarious. Like, th like this moment, can you guys just picture Jacob? I want you to just try to put yourself in the scriptures and just picture what's going on here. Like the image that comes to my mind is an image from the movie Home Alone. Has anybody seen Home Alone before? Like this, Kevin McAllister here is Jacob, right? And he's sitting there and he's thinking, he's thinking about Rachel who's upset. He's thinking about Leah who feels unwanted. He's thinking about the two other ladies that somehow got brought in the picture that are still there. And they're all just like, <laughs> and then the 11, not 10, the 11 kids that are pulling on them, calling them. It's so bad. And here's Kevin. He's like, you know, he's got Buzz in his head. And Buzz is like, Kevin, you're such a disease, right? And then Uncle Frank is like, look what you did, you little jerk. Come on, y'all know the movie Christmas is coming. Who's got their Christmas countdown ready? I love Christmas time. I'm excited for Christmas time. And Kevin's like, I made my family disappear. <laughs> it's not so bad, right? I think Jacob had that same thought. He's like, all right, look, I just need to make everybody disappear. Right, let's look at it. Verse 22, come on, let's go to the next slide, right? Look, we see it right here. That same night, right, Jacob found out there's 400 men on the move with big bro Esau. That same night, he said, all right, everybody up. Wake up, Rachel. Wake up, Leah. Wake up all the kids. We're going. Everybody's like, whoa, what's going on? He grabbed everybody. And he said, we're going to go across the fort of the Jabbok. He took them and he said, y'all just go. And they're like, you're not coming too? And he's like, y'all go. He took them and he sent them across the stream. He said, I want you to take everything. I'll just catch up with you later. I just need some time by myself. Verse 24 Game changer verse. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. I, I want to highlight these first five words here because they're valuable. And Jacob was left alone. The first point in my message of wrestling with your identity is this, that, that you need to get alone with God. If you really want to understand who you are in Christ... You'll never fully be able to, to tune out the voices of the world 
and even the voices of your own mind that can often deceive us and tell us things that we're not until you can just get alone with God. The great reformer and, and Puritan, Jonathan Edwards, once said it like this. He said, he said, true religion disposes persons to be much alone in solitary places for holy meditation and prayer. True grace delights in secret converse with God. True, if you wanna be true in your identity, you gotta understand some of these things, that it's the solitary moments where it's just you and him. This does not devalue community at all. Community is a huge deal, but you'll only be good in community if you spent time first with him, right? And I think that there's so much value, and even if you feel alone, it doesn't mean that you don't still dive into community because you need that, but Jacob at this point had enough community as he could get. He needed time alone with God. We see Jacob model this for us here, amen? Everybody's gotta go. We see Jacob model it, we also see Jesus model it. One of the most frustrating verses in the Bible for me is Mark chapter one, verse 35. And rising, very early, I like the, the word very. Why did he have to put the word very early? Because if it was just early, then I could like say, ah, it's right around 10 o'clock, right? It had to be very early in the morning while it was still dark. Why does it have to still be dark, Jesus? It was then that Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Jesus modeling for us time alone with God the Father. Now if Jesus, the God-man himself, the 100% God, 100% man, the Son of God, took time to get up early while it was still dark, Lord, this is convicting me right now, and, and, and go to a desolate place, not just go beside his bed, but actually leave to a desolate place and pray. How much more do we need this message today? This reminder of what Jacob did is important. Let me go to the next verse right here. We see this modeled in Jesus' life, verse 23. After he had dismissed the crowds. Sometimes you gotta dismiss crowds. Jacob has said, hey, crowd. This happened to be his immediate family. He just said, I gotta dismiss y'all. Doesn't mean I don't love y'all. It doesn't mean I'm hateful. It just means I'm faithful. To be able to say, you know what, God, I need you in this moment and I can't have any distraction. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, say those words with me, he was there alone. Jesus modeling for us that before everybody woke up, he was with the Father. After everybody left, he spent time with the Father. And here we see this word again. He, he went to a desolate place, a desolate place. I, I don't know what that word means, so I figured I needed to look it up. Here's the definition for the word desolate, deserted of people and in a state of bleak and dismal emptiness. Some synonyms, empty or bare. Give you guys one more verse that we see this on display in Luke chapter four, verse 42. And when it was day, so I like it. When it was evening, Jesus went to the Father. When it was morning, he was there with the Father. When it was day, he departed, went to a desolate place, and the people sought him. And it doesn't mean that people aren't going to come after you. I promise you, the times I've tried to get alone with God, that's when my phone's ringing off the hook, emails, people calling, you know, knocking. The, 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 the people that you wish would have called you call you on those moments, right? Like, dang, I got to take this one. Sorry, God. 
right? Like, you'll understand, right? It, it happens where, where you go to a desolate place and you just say, I gotta be with God. Jesus called us to do this, friends. He, he challenged us to do this in Matthew chapter six, specifically in verse six. The disciples approached Jesus and here's what they said. Jesus, teach us how to pray. That's a principle right there. Because the disciples could have said, teach us how to walk on water, teach us how to multiply the bread, teach us how to do a miracle. But I think they realized that the power was in the prayers. So they said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says it like this. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray. That's one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? Or is that just for me? It's hard for me, Peter, to like just actually go by myself, shut the door and, and pray And notice what it says, to your father who is in secret, and when your father who sees in secret will reward you. Actually, in the King James Version, it says, will reward you openly, right? This this reminder that God is, is in the secret place, and that God speaks to us when we get alone with him. Last point that I want to make regarding this text is a quote from a guy by the name of Donald Whitney, who wrote an excellent book called spiritual disciplines. And one of the spiritual disciplines he talks about is the the discipline of solitude, the discipline of getting alone with God. Here's one of the things that Donald Whitney says. He says, withdrawing from the presence of all but God affords an excellent occasion. How about that? I want excellent occasions for focused thinking about gospel truths and realities to freshly apply the gospel to our souls again and to reflect on the blessings and hopes that are ours through the gospel. I I don't know about you, but I sometimes have the temptation to just drift from the gospel. This good news reality that I bring nothing to the table except my sin. I'm a wretched person who is in dire need of a savior. I, I drift from that and start to think I'm okay, I got this. But it's when I get by myself with God that he says, I'm the king, I'm the Lord, I'm the savior, and you need me. And oftentimes what happens, it's not until we have a wrestling struggle that we get by ourselves with God. I want you to be proactive, not just reactive. When you're going through a storm, definitely get alone with God. You'll hear your identity fresh. But before you even do that, before the storm breaks out, spend some time with God. I would encourage you to do that this week, to just take some time and spend it with him. Let's go back into our text. There's a couple more points before we finish up today. Let's continue reading. It says that Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Let me give you the second point. Wrestling with your identity. Get alone with God and wrestle with God. Now, that may sound a bit strange, but I think there's a lot of power in it, especially when we see it here in the scriptures, to get alone with God and not just sit there and hang out and have a pity party and say, God, but actually to say, God, I'm getting a hold of you today. I think what happened here, this is just, this is my interpretation of the scriptures. We already set the tone for how crazy it was, right? Like, A lot of crazy stuff happened in Jacob's life. Dude is super dysfunctional, and so is his entire family. And so so now he gets to a point, and he's by himself, and he sees this man. And let's just say that he had the appearance of God, whatever that meant. 
And Jacob says, we about to have it out. I'm so tired of being tired. And Jacob says, you and me right here in the ring. And praise God that God doesn't back down on that battle. God says, you want to have a wrestling match? Let's have a wrestling match. Wrestled with him until the breaking of the day, or as Lionel Richie puts it, all night long, right? <laughs> Come on. Uh, all night long, there's this, there's this battle. There's this wrestling match between the man who I think you'd be wise to interpret as Christ and Jacob and Jacob and Jacob. This wrestling match, there, there's something power about, powerful about wrestling with things. I think too often we wrestle with the wrong things, right? We, we, we wrestle with sin, we wrestle with people, we wrestle with lust, we wrestle with all types of attacks, we wrestle with the devil. But I think that we need to just have a wrestling match with God. Because if you got God, you got everything, we see it here, Matthew Henry, in his great commentary, he writes on this passage, he says it like this. He says, nothing requires more vigor and unceasing exertion than wrestling. It's an emblem of a true spirit of faith and prayer. And Jacob kept this ground. Through the struggle continued long, this did not shake his faith, nor silence his prayer. He will have a blessing and had rather have all his bone put out of joint than go away without one. I love that, that, that quote right there because it's this reminder of to get alone with God and wrestle with God. And until he speaks to you, until he gives you a word, until he sets you free, until you're able to walk out of the wrestling match and say, all right, I'm a new person. I know my identity. I am who you say I am, right? If you struggled with singing Good, Good Father, right, then you need to have a wrestling match. Because I love the lyrics of that song where it says, you're perfect in all your ways to us. And, and it's, it's, it's who I am, right? It's who you are and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's just who you are, friend. Like maybe you feel distant from God, but I need you to know something today that God is not distant from you. You may have moved, but you can come back. It might take a wrestling match to figure it out, but he's ready to go there with you. I love it here. Tim Keller talks about this verse as well. I'm just giving you just some commentary insight about what's happening here. This text, in a way that's more vivid than any other place in the Bible, tells us God has to wrestle us into transformed life rather than comfort us into a transformed life. Amen? That, that you want spiritual transformation in your life, but you're not willing to wrestle with him to get there. Maybe it's a pornography issue, or a, a prideful issue, or a deception issue, or a thievery issue, or an addiction issue. And what I think needs to happen is not just God saying, patting you on the back, you're going to get through it, it's going to be okay. You'll just go back to it. That's cheap grace, right? The grace that, that saved you was the grace that killed Jesus, amen? Who had the biggest wrestling match with God? Jesus did on the cross. <laughs> Come on, right? right? And so we see Jacob... Oh man, that's a good word right there, right? We see Jacob here in this wrestling match with God. He's wrestling with him and he's figuring out his identity through it all. 
He's saying, I, I, I tried to wrestle with my brother Esau and it didn't work out for me. I tried to wrestle with my mom, Sarah, it didn't work out for me. I wrestled and deceived my dad, Isaac, and it didn't work out for me. I wrestled with, with Rachel, I wrestled with Leah, I wrestled with these maidservants, I wrestled with my kids, I'm wrestling with everybody and now I need to wrestle with you and figure out really who I am. Wrestling with anybody else won't figure out who you are. It'll actually set you backwards. But when you can get with the source, and this is true for my own life, especially in the area of sports. I wrestled with sports for the majority of my life, trying to find my identity in a sport. It's who I am in a sport. But when I had this wrestling match with God, he gave me a new identity where, where the game is not my God. The game is a gift from God, used for his glory. And so you can make anything else an idol, but you'll never be fulfilled until you get alone with God and wrestle with him. Let me give you the third point, what you need to do when you, when you have this time with him, is cry out to God. So in this wrestling match, cry, cry out to him. Let's look back at it. Verse 24, it says that, And Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip at socket. Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I don't, Jacob got this out somehow. I will not let you go unless you bless me. There was a, a shift right here in the atmosphere that Jacob realized who he was wrestling with. See, most times in a wrestling match, or at least in this case, you would be thinking you want to get out of it. Like, like, all right, like this has been a whole long wrestling match and you just literally popped my hip socket out. I'm tapping. <laughs> I'm out. But it's at this moment that he grips harder and says, I will not let you go. I think because he realized, watch this, that he's been holding on to things for the entirety of his life. He was holding on to Jacob's heel. He was holding on to all these different things. And now he's saying, I got to hold on to him. I gotta hold on to him. And he cries out and he says, let me go for the day is broken because the man God here says, I, if, if you see my face, it might kill you. They didn't have, you know, the stage was set, big old lights on Jacob, you know? Like, then there's Jesus, right? That's not how it went. This was dark, it was nighttime. This is a wrestling match. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Notice what he asked for. He says, I'm crying out to you, Lord. I need you to bless me. Now, blessing may not be what you think it is. Blessing to you may be getting a new BMW and you know a fat watch or something. I don't know what blessing is to you, but the blessing I think that Jacob's talking about here is a new identity. God, I need you to hit the reset button in my life. I need to start over. I need to do a restart. I can't just go to sleep. I need a restart because I need to be new. I need you to bless me. I love this verse in James chapter four. Uh, verse two, you desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. What a word from James, right? He's basically saying, Jacob, you could have asked for this years ago, but it's taken all this to get there. You do not have because you do not ask God. I want to encourage you, when you get alone with God, I hope you will, and you wrestle with him about your identity, and maybe he'll reveal things to you that were blind spots in your life, that it'll be in that moment 
that you'll just begin to pour your heart out and cry out to him and ask away. Doesn't mean that you'll get everything that you ask for. Sometimes God's answers are no. Sometimes God's answers are not yet. Sometimes his answer is yes. It's going to be one of those three. But you can trust that he is, he's good. This principle of crying out to God is, is on display in Jacob's life. He gets God's attention when he cries out, doesn't he? I won't let you go until you bless me. David, uh, King David, who was just as messed up as Jacob, maybe more, Jacob, uh, David had all types of stuff in his life. He says it like this in the Psalms. Oh, Lord, my God. Can we read this together? Will y'all read it with me? Ready? One, two, three. Oh, Lord, my God. I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. Oh, Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints. Give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to speak that over somebody here today. This, this may be a prophetic word for you. That maybe you've been in a season of weeping, of struggling, of trying to find your identity. Notice what David did. I cried to you for help. Never be too strong to cry out to the Lord. Cried to you for help and you have healed me. You brought me up. Sometimes we just need to be brought up, amen? I, I, I did this recently, just going through some, own, some stuff in my own life. I just said, you know what? I got to get alone with God. I got to wrestle with God. I got to cry out to him. And I'll tell you what, he just brought me up. He just brought me up. And, 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 and I can't necessarily explain what that looks like. It's just something that he does when you get alone with him. And he brings you up. And when you get brought up, it's then that you can live out verse 4 and sing praises to the Lord. Look at, oh, you his saints. He's talking about the church. Give thanks to his holy name. For his anger's but for a moment. His favor's for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for a night. But let me just remind you, if I'm, maybe I'm speaking to somebody. It might just be for one person here. The joy is coming. The, the sun will come back out. Things are going to get better. But it'll get better when you cry out to the Lord. When you have that alone wrestling match with God. Hey, listen, I know you love your husband. I know you love your wife. This is for you and God. Notice Jacob said, I got to have everybody out. I know you love your kids. Don't pull the over-spiritual card like, yeah, I got to have everybody with me. Maybe that's a different type of intervention, right? This right here is you and God. You'll be the best husband, the best wife, the best dad, the best friend you'll be when you spend time with God. Promise you. You can put everything on that. Let me give you the fourth point. We're almost done here. Cry out to God and hold on to God. Hold on to God. We saw it in the text, didn't we? Jacob said, I will not let you go. As we read it in the verse, we just look at that last part. Let's go ahead and look at it in in verse uh, 26. He said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, I think one of the bizarre parts about these verses that just is challenging me is something that we've kind of skipped over, but I think it deserves some mention right here, right? It says that 
he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint. It's amazing what I see here that he's having this wrestling match all night long, right? And then finally, Jesus is like, <laughs> like the, the, the Hebrew word is just literally like delicately touched. This is this wrestling match. And then finally, he's like, you're done. <laughs> literally touched his hip socket. Uh, I, I've met some people who have gone through hip replacement and hip surgery. They say it's the worst, right? How do you have a wrestling match when your hip's out? And I think it's Jacob saying, I, I will not let you go. I can't even feel my body anymore, but I will not let you go. It says, even though my hip socket is pulled out. Maybe, now, maybe you say, how, does, how did he prevail against him? Jacob was like winning this wrestling match. He was prevailing against God until God decided to touch his hip socket. And it reminds me, maybe some of you can be familiarized with this, like me as a dad, right? And I have a three-and-a-half-year-old energized little monster truck driver named Epaph. And he loves to wrestle. He loves to just run up and push me over and hold me down. And then I'll say, oh, I'm trying to get up. And then I, and he'll fall, I'll fall back and he'll laugh. And, and, and I'll say, you're winning, you're winning. I think that this is what's happening right here. I think the God man saying, yeah, you almost got me, Jacob. Oh, here goes, yeah, you almost got me right there. And Jacob's trying his best. He's using every move in the book. He's going UFC on him. He's, he's holding him. He's, he's trying to put him into a submission. He's trying to make him tap out. That's a good word, right? Submission. I think that's what God, God's saying. I'm going to wrestle with you until you're able to submit. Right? And finally, he goes, all right, I'm, I, it, it's, it's because the God man didn't utilize his full weight. Right? He didn't, if he would have put his full weight on Jacob, literally a touch blew out his hip. The full weight would have crushed him. I always want to be reminded that these texts are not the finish line. If you can go from these verses to the cross, you'll see God put his full weight on his son Jesus. Not a touch of a hip. God relayed his full weight of wrath on his son in your place. That God the Father said, in order for me and you to be saved, he must relinquish his full furious wrath upon his son Jesus. And that would kill and crush him on the cross. Jesus would die for all of us in the full weight of God. And Jesus to the point would say, God, why have you forsaken me? Your whole wrath is on me. Jesus would take the weight into the grave but then he would raise himself up in victory and defeat sin and defeat death and defeat hell. And, and now he stands here and he says, hey, listen, you can be set free. You can wrestle with the one who's already won the match. He's taken on God's full wrath. This right here was just a picture of a moment where, where he touched his hip socket. Now, maybe this could be even more intentional one of the reasons why maybe he touched his hip socket was because you can't run when your hip's out. Jacob was running for all his life. 
God touched him physically so he could touch him spiritually. Amen? He said, Jacob, I'm changing your identity in this wrestling match. You'll no longer be able to run from everybody now. And the reason why you won't be able to run will be a reminder of who you are. That I, that I was with you in that moment. He says, I will not let you go. I was holding on to everything else. So today, maybe your testimony is I've been holding on to all types of things and I need to just let them go. And I need to hold on to him. With a full grip, I gotta hold on to my God, and my Father, and my Lord, Jesus Christ. Last point, all right, last point. I promise you this is my last point. It's my last point. Trust God's word over everything. Trust God's word over everything. We're going to finish up here. Um, take a picture of these if you want to on your phone. We're going to post them on social media. But wrestling with your identity is important. And I would encourage you to, to trust God's word over everything else. In other words, trust his word over your word. Trust his word over your mom's word. Trust his word over your friend's word. It doesn't mean that you don't trust their word. It means you trust his word over every word. Every word. Let's keep looking at it. The text says, but Jacob. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse 27, he said to him, what's your name? Now, why would Jesus in this moment say that? Jacob says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. Jesus says back, what's your name? What's your name? And he said, my name's Deceiver. My name's Heel Grabber. It's just my identity. It's who I am. You ever met somebody who struggles with sin and they just gave it? They just said, it's just who I am, man. I'm never going to defeat it. I'm never going to be able to beat it. I'm never going to be able to say no to them or no to him or no to her or no to whatever. It's just, this is my identity. I'm stuck. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm in this trenches of this. I'm, J I'm Jacob. And then he said, your name shall, whew. Man, wow. Look at the response from the Lord. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Israel means prince of God. Israel, the prince of God. For you have struggled, you've striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Wow. This right here blows my mind. Because God changed his identity in the wrestling match. It's not just in your success that God changes you. It's in your struggle that God is doing something in your life. It's in the warfare of life. It's in the struggle of your life. It's when you feel beat down and, and you feel lied to and you feel like it's not working and you feel like, what, what, I'll never be able to win. I'll never be able to get above. It's in that moment that God's saying, I'm giving you a new name. You needed me. You needed me. You're no longer Jacob. You're Israel. You're the prince of God. How neat is that Israel is named, it's talking about Jacob. Jacob, right? That God gave him a new identity in that moment and Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. Can I at least know your name? And he said, why is it that you ask of my name? And there he blessed him. And the blessing, he didn't get blessed physically or financially. He actually left hurting. 
But it doesn't really matter if you got a new identity. Everything else is secondary when you're right with God. When you, walk, when you can walk into the room right with God, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter at all. When the presence of God shows up, that's all that really matters. And he, he, he had a, a, a moment, right? Think about when he goes back and he meets his family. He's like, yo, don't call me Jacob. Call me Israel. Please tell me your name. He said, why is it that you ask of my name? You're not ready for my name. You're not ready for that. I just needed to bless you. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face. Yet my life has been delivered. He realized it. He said, Wow, he could have crushed me. I mean, he literally poked my hip out in just a second. He, my, he could have killed me in the moment. He probably should have. But he delivered me. And deliverance happens when you have a new identity. I'm no longer who I was. I am who he says I am. You got to be able to receive it though. That's why my last point is trust God's word over every other word. Because there'll be other words that try to get put on you. Right? He says, what's your name? The last time somebody asked Jacob what his name was, he said, my name's Esau. He had no idea what his identity was. That was because that's what his mom put on him. Other people might put stuff on you, and they might say things about you, but you need to trust his word over everyone else's word, amen? Don't put on something on somebody that's not who they are, but hold on to the wrestling match that you had with God. Finally, we see this right here, God face to face, yet his life has been delivered. Verse 31, the sun rose up upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. So here's Jacob. He's limping, but he's smiling. I like what Charles Spurgeon said about these verses. He said, how pleased would you and I be to go limping all our days with such weakness as Jacob had if we might also have the blessing that he thus won? Spurgeon says that, that this limping was the memorial of his moment. So that every time somebody said, hey, Joey, right, why are you limping like that? He had to tell him, God did something in my life. What's up, Jacob, what happened to you? It's going to sound crazy, man. I had a wrestling match with God. And he changed me. I'm a new person. For real. I'm a new, I actually have a new name and everything. Like I'm a new creation. That's New Testament language, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Hey, why are you getting baptized? I had a, ma a match with God. He changed my life. I'm a new creation, right? I think about this often in my own story, right? I, I went to school here. I went to school up the street. A lot of people know me for my past. But I, I, my only testimony is I had a wrestling match with God. And I'm a new creation. And you may not understand it. Sometimes I don't understand it. But I'm just grateful for it. Amen? And there's so much freedom when you can understand your identity. Here's what your identity is. This is what J.D. Greer says. He says, my identity and my security are not in my spiritual progress. Because you can be deceived that, hey, I'm not reading the Bible enough, so I'm not good enough. I'm not praying enough. So God's mad at me. It's not in your spiritual progress. Your identity and your security are in God's acceptance of you given as a gift in Christ. When you've received Christ, he's pleased with you. That's right. 
He's pleased with you already. He's pleased with you already. I want to pull up on the screen one of the last verses. It's just a challenge to you, all right? This is going to be my challenge to you, and, um, and then I'm going to be done here. This is what I want to give you, and um, when we pull it up, I'm going to have you put it, uh, take a screenshot of it, do what you need to do. This is my challenge. I'm going to give you a wrestling challenge, all right? Some of y'all need a, a workout plan, all right? You, you up for the workout plan? We'll post this on social media too. This is moments, you know, you can hit the follow button, you can find this. All right, here's my challenge, Pastor Hyden's workout challenge. This week, this upcoming week, not this year. If it's this year, you'll forget. This week in August, get alone with God for 30 minutes, all right? That means you gotta be intentional. You gotta carve out 30 minutes of your day to just be with God 30 minutes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with the spirit of thankfulness, all right? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, it's God's will for you to be thankful in all circumstances. So in this time, say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna be thankful, and here's all the stuff I'm thankful for, and just allow that just to be a moment of thanksgiving. Read the proverb of that day. So for example, if it's Proverbs chapter 20, or if, if, it's, if it's August 21st, read Proverbs 21. If it's August 22nd, read Proverbs 22. Get alone with God, read, read the proverb of that day. Meditate on his word and take time to listen. So don't just read it and close it, but read it and then sit there and just say, all right, Lord, what do you want me to see? Teach me. I want to wrestle. What do you want me to hear? What's, what's in there for me? Don't read it for somebody else. You can't live another person's life for them. Sometimes you're reading and you're like, man, I do that. I, I, I'm, I'm like, man, I wish this person got this word. And God's like, it's for you. Yeah. Journal your thoughts and your application points. The success rate is so much better if you write it down. If you need a journal, we'll give you one for free. See us afterwards in our merch booth or at Growth Track. We have them for you. And after that, pray again and just say, Lord, thank you for the wrestling match today. If you could do this every day, do it, but at least do it one time this week and see if there was fruit that came out of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to do that. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for this time today. God, I bless you and your word. I bless you for who you are. I bless you for the wrestling match. That it's not just in my success, but it's actually in my struggle. That you showed up and set me free.